In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. Still Interested, or perhaps welcome back, I might say, to Still Interested. It's a TV and film reboot remake podcast for the Curio Network. I am, as always, your Lost in the Temple of Doom uh, co-host, Ben McAllister. And I am your uh, son of Sean Connery, Jackson Newsett. That's fantastic. And today, Jackson, for the first time in a while, you might say, we have a, we have a special guest. Hi, I'm your getting... Push down three waterfalls, Taryn Lovenstein. Hey, Fantastic. I love that. Taryn Lovenstein, the tea baby <laughs> From the herself. future, I love that. <laughs> She's here in the studio with us today to talk about a film. Hey, uh, for those of you who don't know Taryn, Taryn is the newest uh, genuine certified curio girl. Uh, Ooh, that sounds like a superhero. I like it. Curio girl? Curio girl. Yeah. Back at it. Back in the studio for another adventure. Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you feel that way about it. <laughs> yeah, that's new great. responsibilities as a curio spokesperson. Taryn's making a podcast with me that currently is happening and soon will be in an RSS feed for you to enjoy. It's called The Uncertainty Principle. Uh, <laughs> what do we do on yeah. this show again? yeah, yeah. Jackson, do you know? Um, we do. We we pick up... Well, I guess it's like rebooted and remade franchises. This one's sort of... Now, there was some contention... Uh, into, I watched the film with Saint, and she was very much like, is this a reboot? But I think, given that it's like 19 years between... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's between totally drinks. It's, um, it's totally reboot. And you, you can see they were very deliberately trying to be like, and now there's going to be a whole series of these exactly. starring that tasty side of beef. And it just hasn't materialised. No. So... Although 2021, like, apparently. Uh, really? Yeah, I was yeah, wondering yeah. about that. Is it coming? Okay. Although That's a real long gap in yeah. between parts yeah. one and two. But yeah. also, like, surely no Shia LaBeouf now, right? Like, surely like surely that yeah, part surely of culture moved has on. moved on. No, I, I, think I read both. this online. He just kind of shit-talked to everyone, particularly Spielberg, so much that they were like, yeah, he's not going to be involved in Is the second Is it just going to be Harrison Ford again? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, we're getting way ahead of ourselves because I had some thoughts about that. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll get to that when we get there. But yes, we are, of course. I mean, fuck, why are we bearing the lead? If you're listening to this, you have hopefully at least listened to the last episode where we definitely did talk about Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most would agree, I'm sure, the best Indiana Jones movie. Uh, now we're going to look at what I would say is, and I've, I've, I've held this stance before, would say is, 
unfairly regarded the worst Indiana Jones movie in the franchise, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I maintain that this movie is at least better than Temple of Doom. Yeah, it's certainly hard to talk about either without having a like having not recently rewatched Temple of Doom. Like, listen, like when I when I watched that film a decade ago, I would say the memory of it, I would say it's probably better than this film, Kingdom of Crystal Skull. But I'm sure if I watched that film today, um, Temple of Doom might spook me out a little bit. The criticism that was levied at this movie when it came out, like I don't know, do you guys remember? I went and saw this movie in cinemas, and like I was a pretty big Indiana Jones fan when I was a kid. I'd watched all the movies. I had the DVD box set. I saw this movie in cinemas, and then I remember people afterwards being like that sucked you know like it had all this weird goofy stuff with like aliens and stuff and i was like have you seen the other movies like they're so goofy (laughs) i think it's not i yeah i i I do agree though i think this film like very much jumps the shark at multiple points like literally this film is spielberg spielberg finding bigger and bigger sharks to jump over that by the end of the film you're like how did they how did they get so many sharks in there like it's wild look i think there are genuine criticisms you can levy at the structuring of this movie I am of the opinion that in a movie franchise where at different points in time people literally find the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant and ghosts come out of it and melt a bunch of Nazis, it's very hard to be like, oh, but aliens, that's a bridge too far for me. I don't know about that. But, um, you know, this this is this has long been my point about this franchise. It's a different kind of wacky, but it is no wackier than, like, ancient... Jewish ghosts I mean, melting Nazis. I mean, like, Nazi-killing ghosts are probably real, though, right? Yeah, well, okay, like, fair enough. Like, so, you know, yeah, no, you know, Jackson, you're right. I take your point. <laughs> Nazi-killing ghosts are at least structured in reality. <laughs> the first note I have is that poor little gopher. It gets its shit rocked by some rowdy teens. Oh, is it a gopher or a prairie dog? Okay, Taryn, you, American correspondent, <laughs> would know. We don't have either of those animals here, so I'll lean on your uh, also marine biological knowledge. Yeah, so not a land <laughs> biologist here, but I'm pretty sure it's a prairie dog just because, like, they're on a prairie, and I had a gopher under my house as a child, and I did not grow up anywhere near Nevada. So I'm going prairie dog. We can, can yeah, we confirm I'm this. Yeah, googling prairie dog. It's a prairie dog. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a prairie dog. Because they pop out now, of their holes and they have to do that thing where they look around, like Timon and um, the Lion King is supposed to be a prairie dog. I think. No, he's what? A oh, no, you're what? right. What? You're just, right. To be, to be fair though, to be fair though, Taryn, you like have specialized in marine biology so much. Yeah. You've never really seen <laughs> land land uh, animals. So no, Taryn's forgotten. No, but I know he ain't no gopher. Taryn's <laughs> forgotten what land mammals look like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, my first, well, you thought he was... Anyway. My first note, actually, was uh, that this film, in the spirit of rebooting, uh, popped straight back in, starting with a shot of Paramount, now a... Uh, is it Viacom uh, company? Um, yeah, I think so. And then uh, transitioning to, not a mountain, but I get. I, mean, I was going to say a gopher hill, but I guess a prairie dog you hill. You too, with the gophers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, look, all right, I'm going to put this on Twitter... It's a picture of a gopher standing next to a prairie dog, and I want you all to tell me whether you, our prim- primarily Australian listening base, know the difference between these two animals, because I sure as fuck do not. But it does not matter. There's a cute little furry dude, and he gets his shit rocked by some teens who are driving around in a big minivan. You better believe it's the 50s, and I guess all that happens in the 50s is teens want to drag race with military people. Yeah. They're driving around through the desert, they're like knocking on the windows like, hey, military guys, drag race us! And the military guys are like, oh, I don't know about that. And then they get convinced, and then they're like, alright, and they have a bit of a drag race, and then the teens drive 
giveaway. And just in case you weren't sure it was the 50s from that, and also the Elvis playing in the background, on screen, 1957, Nevada. We follow the military uh, trucks. They roll up to a base where there's like, I guess, six guards there that are like, hey, sorry, it's closed. Um, a colonel walks up and then the guy's like, no, seriously, colonel, it is closed. He bends down to tie his shoes and then the, uh, I guess, fake American military just gunned down everyone else, roll on through. Yeah, this guy's a fucking traitor. I initially like saw this guy when they were like, sorry, colonel, it's closed even for you. And then he was like, <laughs> really, is it? And then everyone just gets iced and I was like, oh, fuck, he's a fucking little sneak, a turncoat, if you will. And uh, it turns out indeed that he is worse than a turncoat because he's a ruski. Oh, God. Yes. Hey, Taryn, you lived through the 50s. Um, <laughs> I did. What, what did you there. think of the whole, like, Reds Under the Beds thing? Hmm. <laughs> well, it seemed like if they wanted to set it... If they wanted to set it in 1957, Nevada, then it was like, that was kind of the only enemy of the American people at the time. Or, like, the big one that everybody would think of. Yeah. I thought it was a bit lazy. Um, but they, they did get Kate Blanchett, or... And I want to... They did get some... Very big name actors to do some pretty unconvincing Russian accents later in the film, so maybe yeah. that was let's, worth the payoff. And you say later in the film. Um, let's. It's it's now. It's okay. pretty okay. much now. Up, like, upcoming in the next thirty seconds, yeah. we're gonna get some great Russian so, accents. Yeah. So in the lead up to this, like the, the there's there's all these trucks, and then ahead of them is this almost like uh, a sedan essentially, and from this military sedan, they like. Uh, pop the boot. They pull out one Ray Winston with oh a my really God, Ray Winston. like a, a really uh, a scene stealing mustache. Um, who's like just kind of like whipped out of the boot, and then we see another figure uh, preceded by a sweet fedora. Um, and you better believe oh, we're back on those spooky shots and silhouettes dun, 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 hiding who we know dun, dun, dun. is uh, now much older Indiana Jones. Yeah, dude, we see Indy's hat, he gets pulled out of the of the car, as you said, with her Rinstone, and then, like, they're both standing there, and we get some shots, we get to see who they are, and they're just having that, like, classic, like, dialogue where they want you to, like, establish that, like, these two people have known each other for a long time, and they've been in a lot of scrapes. Yeah, exactly. And they're trying to be, like, they're like, oh, this isn't the worst situation we've been in, remember back in 1948 in Moscow, we killed 20 as many, 20 times as many <laughs> Russians. Yeah. I also Although, can I just say, before that, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, in the the moment when he, like, turns around and it's like, this is going to be Indiana Jones, oh man, he's going to say something so sweet, what does he say? Russians. Mm. That's his big line. Yeah, I just thought true. that was really weak writing. My favorite one of the perplexing, or not perplexing, but just, like, you know, establishing lines that they exchange in this little dialogue here, which is my first title pitch. It might be mine as well if you do it then. Yeah. Is uh is definitely I'm still young. <laughs> oh, something that uh, See? Ray Winstone says, but I think it should be ascribed to Harrison Ford really <laughs> in the making yeah. of this film because they're like when they're talking about how they killed twenty times as many Russians, and he's like, we had guns and we were younger then. And Ray Winstone's like, I'm still young. So like, there you go, I'm still young. That's the vibe of this entire film. Now, definitely, there is also this point where Indiana Jones does definitely get punched in the face, mm. and he seems to not care about it at all. And and considering the pretty hard line we took against Indiana Jones as a villain in the original movie, I'm wondering if this qualifies as a villain who is immune to punches, which was one of our points of remakeability. So I'm wondering if we can tick that one off early, yeah. given that Indiana Jones himself uh, is the well, villain who's immune to punches. he doesn't get punched. He gets slapped. And then right as the guy goes back to pull him for a punch, mm. that's when we get 
slinky Kate Blanchett oh, as and it's such the a Russian powerful look. villain with the like nice uh you know, very bowl haircut. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, the, yeah. like a dangerous bob. Tight, yeah, like a dangerous bob indeed. Like it's, it's it's an imp- it is a powerful look. Yeah. <laughs> so she's she playing like what, like a uh, Doctor Colonel Arena Spalco. Spalco? Um, yeah. who's, like, wearing, like, what I thought at first when I when I originally first watched this film was, like, a, uh, almost like a dress sword, essentially, as, like, part of, like, um, like, her station or something. Yeah. yeah, but no, yeah. it's it's her primary weapon. It's she an actual sword. functional sword. Yeah. Yeah, which, which seems like a strange thing to add to the character, yeah. but I'm kind of into it. Um, she also, like... Very quickly is revealing that she might be a psychic because she definitely does walk up to Indiana Jones and put her hand in front of his face and close her eyes and it makes that like noise like she's trying to do some psychic powers and then like nothing happens. Yeah, and she definitely uh, does say because like, he's a things... tough nut to crack that Indy. Exactly, she does say things around here like how like she wants to know all things, which is like I get like a knowledge is power it, thing look, and that sort of thing, but like also it's one of the key <laughs> themes of the film. Yeah, it really is. Um, but I think. Uh, I've got two things here. Get an education. <laughs> um, t- like, two pretty major things here. Number one, and this is, like, a big one in terms of the serious recap of this film, the military warehouse they are outside of and they are uh, talking about is, in yep. fact, the warehouse yes. from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which I love. I, I love, love that. that as a nice nod, like, digging back into the actual source material of the original films. I think it's so dope. I just wish they stationed more than six guards on to defend uh, against, like, like to, to stop, like, the enemies of the United States getting access to all of the U.S.'s, like, weird mystical shit. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like, such a secret location that they're like, we just, you know, we just put a couple guys here, we don't want to draw attention to it by having a huge presence, you know? Hide in plain sight, as they say. I think it's possible that because they were dressed up as the army, once they killed the first six dudes... Yeah, they just rolled in. They just rolled in, and the other guys were like, oh, great. I wonder why they haven't gotten back to us from up front with this Uh, thing, but they never (laughs) investigated. (laughs) I thought even the other guys were like, oh, hey, the army killed the guards? I guess the guards were evil all along. Like, (laughs) army knows what they're doing. (laughs) Well, I guess, well, I guess they must be out, they must be with us. Glad I wasn't one of those guards. Yeah. Man, <laughs> fuck Dave, I guess. Like, that guy, that guy was yeah. a commie. So, they bust open the, the warehouse, and they're like, there's a specific box here. It has these exact dimensions. And you, Dr. Jones, ten years ago, you examined the contents of that box. It was mummified remains, and you're going to find it for us. So, for some reason, the Russians are interested in this specific box. And Indy's like, okay, fine. I'm immediately on side. Or on board, at least. He's like, fine. I need a compass. And he goes, you know, a compass? North? South? East? And then Ray Ray, Winston just chimes in with, West? (laughs) Which is like, was was that that like a, like, we are the West sort of thing? Or like, I I, I don't know. I had no idea what that was meant to be about, but like, Indy implies that like, he remembers that those remains were like, powerfully magnetic, and the compass is going to help him find it. Now, here is a problem I have with the preceding scene. (laughs) Okay, thank you. The strength. The strength of this magnetic field seems to oscillate wildly. <laughs> now, Benjamin, stre- you say this. You say this scene, but what I would argue is that this yeah. magnetic field is plot important for the rest of the movie. And yep. good God, does it fluctuate? It makes yeah, it makes some metals which are naturally magnetic become magnetic in some scenes, but in other scenes, they are not magnetic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's at the strength of plot, I suppose you would say, uh, which is you know. 
uh, fine, whatever. Like, I, again, like, with these movies, these, like, high-concept fucking ridiculous adventure films, I'm willing to forgive a lot of things. It's just very funny in this scene in particular to me, where so much of, like, their ability to find it is predicated upon the fact that Indiana Jones can drop small magnetic particles in a giant warehouse, and they'll find their way to it, but then, like, everyone's standing around it with a bunch of metal guns, yes. and they are just immediately yes. sucked onto the thing. Are there cars, yes. for that matter? Like, yeah. it's just the dust... And then later, some, like, little magnetic balls. Yeah. Well, and the yeah. little magnetic balls are, like, ball bearings from shotgun shells. And I want to give a quick MVP to the Russian soldier who um, acquiesces to Indy's um, demand for some shotgun shells. Because they're yep. walking along, and Indy's like, shotgun shells. This guy pulls up a shotgun, and so yep. expertly just fucking, like, <laughs> fires out some Pumps shells. Out, like, yeah. ten just, shells, it's, yeah. It is, like, the... Is the scene like the most finesse in the whole film? Is this one soldier being like, tsh, 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 tsh. it's it's incredible. Yeah. For your reference, resident physicist here, magnetic field strength will increase by the distance squared. So if he's standing at the front door and it's powerful enough to move tiny bits of metal, by the time he's standing right next to it, it's gonna be fucking strong. The magnetic field coming out of that magnet. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, they eventually pull out the case and they crack it open. Now. This I question as an action here, and I really want to give an LVP to the Russian logisticians who planned this mission, who were like, we're going to go in there, we're going to extract this important artifact, and then we're just going to crack it open right there. Yeah. We're just going to, like, right there, immediately we get it, we're going to bust this fucking box open and then pull open this ancient sarcophagus, and then, like, inside is this weird metallic-looking corpse that, like, Spelko goes over to and starts, like, fucking around with. Like, she does does it right in front of all of these like random grunts yeah, who are and just like, like for what someone the that, fuck for is someone going that on? cares so much about like knowledge and that sort of thing you think she'd have some more respect for like the scientific method and also for like you know like l- like laboratory conditions and shit like that not just being like it's a random warehouse who knows what this specimen is let's just fucking dig into it with a knife yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like mummified remains, but let's just expose it to the air in this random warehouse and, like, see what happens. Anyway, uh, eventually, like, Indy does a cool whip trick, steals a gun off one of the Russians while they're all distracted. Max steals another gun, and you're like, oh, yeah, they got the upper hand here. Then Mac, that's Ray Winston's character, by the way, definitely does betray Indy and is like, sorry, mate, I'm a capitalist, and they paid. And then he's like, oh, bloody hell and he throws his gun on the ground and his gun does shoot the russian guy in the (laughs) foot which like that is a powerful prank i mean like to to have that much confidence as well because the russian guy's like ha your friends betrayed you you're fucked now we've all got guns pointed at you and he's like okay and he throws his gun down and just hopes that it's gonna fire and shoot this other guy in the foot then all hell breaks loose Go on. Yeah, I just love the backstory this film is trying to give us for Mac. The character of Mac, who literally I just couldn't care less about. Like, Ray Winston yep. has, like, the worst job in this movie. And, like, there's a quote here where, like, Indy's like, like, Mac, like, after all those years we spent spying on the Reds. And at this point, like, you're like, hang on. What? What has Indiana Jones been up to? He's been spying on the Reds. And we get back to that later. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I actually went did some digging. It's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. What the, and then what the story um, was there. when they basically ask Indiana Jones like any last words, and his last words are "I like Ike," which yeah, is like good. a what is that? Oh so, come on, so come it, on, Taryn. 
Is this a callback to one of the previous movies? No, that it's I not, Taryn. It's a callback to your home country and its <laughs> own political history. Oh, boy. Yeah. Do edify me. Mm-hmm. So, I Like Ike refers to... Um, uh, uh, Ike, like Dwight, uh, was, it, was that Eisenhower? Eisenhower. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it was like a common. It was like it was like a little earworm that people. It was a used political say. slogan. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was his, like it was um, his "Make America Great." Yeah, better. Yeah, better dead. Yeah, better dead. Better dead than red. <coughs> I like Ike. That sort of thing. And it was about like uh, I. I don't like the communists. I like Ike. Powerful, Indy. Uh, so now Indy tries to get away in the ensuing commotion from his amazing shotgun foot prank and does, like, what, like, steal a truck and is, like, driving a truck through the warehouse, which is definitely a recurring element of this movie. Indiana Jones loves driving vehicles around inside buildings. Yeah. He will not stop. Also, <laughs> a warehouse full of, like, artifacts that are, like, really powerful and dangerous and that sort of thing. But these boxes are fucking Crash Bandicoot boxes. Like, he's just yeah, driving through true. and there is nothing. Nothing inside. It's just sawdust. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, maybe they're like all rigged to like self-destruct if the boxes get opened. <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe if one box is opened. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought it was just saying that they really don't have that many secrets, ah. and those all those boxes were just to hide that really one important secret. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's actually yeah, all those boxes that's are actually decoys. not a bad. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, you're gonna get contacted by the fucking yeah. NSA, and they're gonna be like, "How did you know? <laughs> yeah, how did you know our secrets?" Darren, like, you're gonna, gonna get MVP at this with. point. Like, I can't think of anyone yeah. else. Um, uh, one thing I also like to note as well is like as they're like zooming around here, breaking boxes, we do definitely see one box break, and we do definitely see uh-huh. the Ark of the Covenant in side just chill. which is great that i love that slick. i liked that i really enjoyed that a lot he's like 1v1ing some russian guy who by the way i absolutely must give an, an mvp to at one point he gets like wrapped up in some chains and then he picks them up and starts like whipping indiana jones with them he puts in some work this dude uh eventually indy and this dude like stumble into like a prototype rocket which they turn on and like it turn it like activates and then its exhaust comes out and just like melts five Russians who are chasing them <laughs> and they rocket off across the prairie. I love, like at this point I was like I was really hyped. Like this was like a mile a minute like action shit happening like right from the jump. I was like yeah. feeling good about this movie. Their little rocket shoots off across the desert. The gophers get their revenge. Prairie dogs. The prairie dogs get their vengeance. By which I mean they sit there eating popcorn while they watch Indiana Jones rocket <laughs> across the fucking savannah. And uh, they crash into something and and he and, like, the Russian guy are both, like, dazed. He recovers first and, like, runs off into the darkness to escape the Russians. Also, the rocket was on, like, a track. Yeah. That it was not... I guess they were probably trying to simulate maybe space travel? Who knows? Well, it's some kind it's of like, test going on. It's, like, on. 57, right? And, like, if this is, like, yeah. uh... You know, yeah, like a secret testing facility. It's probably like, kind of like, hey, this is where maybe th- this this was the film confirming that uh, the moon landing did happen for all those conspiracy theorists out there. That, like, you know, I, I think 100%. it's I think it's more likely considering where this movie goes and the kind of design of this craft that it was like reverse engineered alien tech. Considering Ooh. like, oh. like they they are basically like folding in the whole like Roswell thing into the canon of this movie, being like this like. Might have been something to do with that. It, do- it doesn't really look like what like known U.S. spacecraft looked like at the time. Anyway, at this point, you're kind of like, all right, cool. There was a big warehouse thing. I wonder where this film is going to take me next. Take me away, like Spielberg. And he leads us and Indy to a town, a small town in the distance. Um, and so Indiana Jones is like sneaking on up there. He's trying to dodge from the Russians. It's like a town built 
largely with primary colors. Like it's very, uh, it's it's got a very particular fifties style to it. He it is so over designed. <laughs> yes, yeah, which is your first clue. And then he knocks on a door. There's no one seemingly there. He busts on in. And, like, there's, like, a lot of fake shit inside there, and notably some mm-hmm. fucking mannequins. Just, like... Yep. And, like... Watching the telly, which watching is the, on. Yeah, which is, you know, yeah. a waste of power, surely. Like, that. Wh- why is yeah. that necessary to test? Um, but It what, turns but, out it's, like, a test village, right? Yeah, it's, like, fucking, like... But, uh, it's, it's, like, literally what they use for, like, Nuketown um, from, like, any of those, like, Call of Duty maps and that sort of thing. Like, it's very much that sort of vibe. Um, it is a remarkably detailed nuclear test village, though. Like, yes. it is absurd. Like, that all of these mannequins are wearing clothes, and, like you said, they're watching a television that is on. He goes out into the street, and he, like, stumbles over some fake mannequin children playing in the yard. Like, yeah. I-, I thought that was a bit much. I don't know why he had to, like, stumble over the children. Well, see, it just seemed kind of silly. And, like, one thing here as well, because there's really strange design choices, because, like, he goes inside and, like, tries to wash his face, tries the tap, no plumb. Goes outside, there is a mannequin watering the garden with actual water. <laughs> and so it's like, what was what was the decision here to be like, we need running water here? We can't have it here though. Like, it's bizarre. I, I bet what happened is there were some dudes whose job it was to build like the test village, and they were getting like really into it, and they just like kept adding more detail and complexity. And then someone came along like midway and was like, what are you doing? This is fine. Stop now. They hadn't, finished, they hadn't finished hooking the water up to the house yet, but they'd already done the front yard, and they were like, oh, all right then. I guess, I guess we can stop here. It was their, like, 1957 Sims. Yeah, exactly. Like, they exactly. were making their families, and they got invested. There was, like, you know, like, secret romances between the mannequin family. Yeah, and you know that they used to go in on the weekends and just play around with them. Yeah. And Indiana Jones hears, like, the speakers being like, nuclear test begins in 2019. And there's some Russians who are in the town looking for him, and they hear it, and they're like, oh, shit. And they get in their car and speed away. And then he tries to get in, and he's like, ah, fuck, fine, don't wait for me. I guess he decided capture was superior to incineration. But uh, after that doesn't happen, he goes back in the house, and he sees this, like, clunky old Kelvinator refrigerator, which he opens up, and he rips all the shit out of it, and he gets inside it. Yeah. Now we do see that it is a lead-lined fridge. Like you the, the, make the sure film, you see that. the film yeah. is so careful, being like, "Hey, don't worry, it's lead-lined." To me, though, like <laughs> this, this scene, like, okay, this, this was one of the things I remember when this movie came out that people were like, "Oh, that thing with the fridge, so stupid," and I was like, again, like. This is the kind of goofy shit this franchise does. Like, everything's over the top and silly. In Raiders, a dude tries to grab the amulet and it melts the exact indentation of the amulet into his hand. But I think so we're talking about scale here, Benjamin. And it's about, like, what I... like people, like, prescribe meaning to. And so, like, if, you can't hit Indiana Jones with a nuclear bomb and him be like, I was in a fridge. I live. But, like, <laughs> but again, it's like, it's like, a, it, it's playing on, like, the tropes of the time. Which was like this idea of these huge, like overdesigned, bulky 1950s American, like house goods. Like those refrigerators are huge. People would always say, like, oh, those things they'll survive a nuclear blast, kind of shit. Yeah. Even though it's like a, it's like a, it's like a gag, and it's like goofy, and it's like obviously they're not trying to be like this is what would really happen. <laughs> they're 
like, this is more fun, stupid Indiana Jones shit. Yeah, like, totally. If he goes off Niagara Falls in a barrel and survives, you're not going to be like, oh, that couldn't happen. No, no, definitely. I, I think it just, like, it tracks as being a, very much a big old shark to jump over. One thing I have to note here as well is that, like, move over, travel by map, because travel by fridge is the big style, uh, because he just goes <laughs> fucking flying through the he air. Does he go goes fly. so far with this. Like, yeah. he can see the mushroom cloud, like, in the <laughs> yeah, distance. Okay. No, now, here's something as well. Here's he something as well. He's far away enough that him and his prairie dog friend for the third time watch the mushroom cloud away now, in the distance. He, he lands, like, next to this mushroom cloud, gets out of the fridge and is like, oh, thank God, all the radiation is gone. And just, like, stands there. <laughs> like, and so I wrote here, like, he must be incredibly irradiated. But the film fixes yeah. that by treating us to a 15-second, like, shot of just all these dudes scrubbing at his junk, like, getting all the yeah. radiation off him. Yeah, he's going to scrub that radiation right <laughs> off there. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how that works. Uh, shit. So Indiana Jones is now in some like U.S. military base, and he's being questioned by Neil Flynn. I love that dude, the actor Neil Flynn. Yeah. You guys know that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is he in? He's so, the janitor from yeah, Scrubs. Scrubs. He's he's in that show, The Wedge. I want to say. Oh boy. He was in The, the Fugitive. I haven't seen he, any of these things. Anyway. <laughs> We've got to Neil Flynn. He's one of the FBI agents questioning Indiana Jones. And I wanted to play a very specific Neil Flynn, where are they now? Just because I fucking love Neil Flynn and I want to know exactly what he's doing today. He was in Mean Girls, Taryn. What part did he play in Mean Girls? He was the mom of the main chick in Mean Girls. The dad. Mom? (laughs) (laughs) They did a weird drag thing. Yeah, it was was like a hairspray thing. No, the mom was Amy Poehler. He was the the meanest girl. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I'll allow it. He, you find out where he is he now. He plays Katie, Katie's dad in Mean Girls, who's great in that movie, by the way. Uh, he's in Home Alone 3. He was, in fact, in The Fugitive. He's, of course, the janitor in Scrubs. That's probably his biggest he's thing. He's in Home Alone 3? What, so is he, like, the primary antagonist in, like, the non-Kevin McAllister reboot of Home Alone? I don't know if he's the primary antagonist. Let's find out. I mean, he's definitely... Yeah, look, he's pretty low down on the cast list for the movie, <laughs> oh, no. so I can say probably not. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but no, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just delighted to know that that Neil Flynn still has a fucking career going on. Like, he, he's, he's got the, he's got that TV show with Patricia Heaton in it. You know, oh, Patricia the middle, Heaton? the middle. Yeah, right, the of middle. course. Um, with like with uh, Patricia Heaton from um, Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, but Patricia, why are you doing the show with the guy from Scrubs now instead of another show with me, Ray Romano? <laughs> okay, that's, pretty good. I, I, right, I know very he, he loves the the big game um, and the sports. Do you have anything? Do you have any sport oh, base? Did you see the Super Bowl, Patricia? I heard it was bad. No, no, it was great. The Patriots won. Uh, hey. uh, now, wasn't a good a Super Bowl TV. though? Like, yeah, I think no, most people. I would have called a great Vials. Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Maroon 5, though, Maroon. Uh, some, something about SpongeBob at the Super Bowl. I wasn't paying a lot of attention last week to the internet. <laughs> it sounds like you're being SpongeBob throttled by, like, appearance. a... Sp- it sounds like you're being throttled by someone, like, really half-heartedly pissed. I thought it maybe sounded like... It was, like, Kermit the Frog, Ooh, but yeah. also... 
Ray yeah, Romano. He had like a th- yeah, but yeah, he had a throat <laughs> cold or something. Yeah, nice. Okay, so they're like, oh, well, you know, Indiana Jones, what were you doing helping the Russians find that one specific piece of shit out of our warehouse? And he was like, hey, don't you know I'm a war hero? I used to be in OSS, which was like military intelligence in yeah. World War II. Whereas Mac was like MI6. Like, he, he got. Yeah, a- yeah. He, he made Colonel. Like, Indiana Jones in this franchise is now a, like a Colonel. Like, yeah, that's so wild. I would look this up. Yeah, apparently in like the official canon, like, cause you know, obviously all the, the earlier movies take place before World War Two, and then like World War Two starts and supposedly Indiana Jones is like, I'm going to go join the army and joins the army and then advances and joins OSS and becomes a colonel and does a bunch of like spy missions with his friend Mac from MI6. And then the war ends and he goes back to being a professor and just doing, you know, his adventuring stuff on the side. Uh, but anyway... Uh, they're like giving him a hard time anyway they're like oh we don't care that you were a spy and a colonel you are still a piece of shit indiana jones because you're friends with that guy mac who's a total traitor and then in comes a current another fucking major or a general or some high-ranking military official he walks into the room and we quickly learn that this guy's name is bob ross they were just like you know what's acceptable is to have a character named bob ross and never address it and also we never see him again after the scene but he just very quickly is like hey what are you doing giving indiana jones a hard time do you know how many medals this guy won in the war he's a great guy i know him really well the the, the direct quote which was a title pitch for me is do you have any idea how many medals this son of a bitch won which I, I I love as like a yeah. as like a shoehorning in backstory. It's just it's so good. But and then they come back with, yeah, well, does he deserve them? Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. just Which seems like... to set up this really unnecessary the FBI is mad at Indiana Jones subplot. Which also doesn't come back. Yeah. Again, just it does not like, recur. Unfortunately, Neil Flynn like exits the film with this scene, like pursued by a bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, pursued by Bear? Was that a, an exit pursued by Bear yeah, joke? Yeah, you, you got it, you got it, you got it. Um, one thing I will say uh, now is that uh, Indiana Jones is now uh, back being a professor, um, and now Jim Broadbent is here and looking very concerned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> professor yeah. Slughorn! I was so excited to see him. That's the I Harry think, Potter movie. I think you mean Dean Slughorn. Yes, in this, in this, in this particular setting, yes. Movie. The professor's son, Dean Slughorn. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's not the young, dreamy professor he once was. He's now more of a, like, you know, roguish, middle-aged professor who maybe gets the teens fired up but, like, doesn't necessarily inspire their lust. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. then his his boss, Dean Slughorn, comes in and pulls Indy out of the room and is like, you're being fired because of a coastal elite liberal smear campaign to take down you, a red-blooded American hero. <laughs> yeah, basically he's like, you're indefinite leave with pay and like Indy's like, what the fuck, dude? You betrayed me. And he's like, no, dude, I resigned. To- like, was he like, was he like, okay, I'll resign and pay him my money. Like, what was the, yeah. what was the yeah. plan? Yeah. What was the loves, thought process just loves there? Indiana Jones so much that he quit his own job so Indiana Jones could live. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, just like, <laughs> just pay him yourself with your own money. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah, and keep doing your job. Yeah, no, he had to quit his job. He had to die so that Indy may live, <laughs> which doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. No. Uh, Indy's like, okay, well, thanks for bailing me out, Charlie. Anyway, bye. I'm going to go to New York and try and get a job there. And he goes and gets on a train and then enter. That young, fresh side of beef. It is Shire the beef. The young Shire. The good Shire. The Shire prior to the I am not famous anymore. You might say, the prior Shire. 
the one who is a young fresh side of beef playing Mutt Williams. Yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely absolute greaser. It's great. Yeah, he he rocks up on this motorbike, a very particular style, as we see Indiana Jones. Also, who I might add is in a suit and a dress fedora, which I love that he has a hat for all occasions. He has um, an adventuring fedora and a dress fedora, yes. so that the other one doesn't get dirty. Yes, yeah, exactly. I guess so. which also. I did not do any research on this movie before I watched it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea Shia LaBeouf was in this movie. <laughs> so I was pretty disappointed when I was like, oh, here comes the, like, the, you know, the young guy who's going to take over. And I was like, it's Shia LaBeouf? The That's beef. who they picked? Yeah, well, the beef was at the fucking yeah. pinnacle of his appeal. At this uh, I don't think he ever time. had that great of an appeal. Oh, I don't know, man. Dude, he was this in Transformers. Was like mid, people yeah, loved this that was movie. Mid-Transformers. He yeah, was. Uh, people loved that movie. I did not love that. The movie. Yeah, Beef at this point was one of Hollywood's most bankable teens. Now he was it, on. The, this, he was on the rise. Is this prior to actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Uh, yeah, I think it will be. Because I think that is th- like that's that meme is literally like pivotal in that actor's career. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people. Like, that is, like, probably one of the things that is, he's most known for, is that absurd song. And then, and then well, like, the, like yeah. the live performance of that song with him, like, clapping along to it. Like, that's... What a, what a fucking life, dude. He, he became a meme. Like, he became yeah. a meme at a certain point. And I feel like th- this was 2008. Like, this was, this was mid, like, rising trajectory of his career, Shia LaBeouf. Clearly, they were like, we're rebooting the Indiana Jones franchise. We have to do one where we have Indiana Jones and the new guy who's going to take over the franchise. Uh-huh. And then Indiana Jones can retire and the new guy can do the franchise. And, like, they were like, it's the beef. He's the guy. But considering the fact that that has not materialized and we kind of alluded earlier to the fact that the next one is planned to go ahead without him, they pretty clearly scrapped that plan. Yeah. Um... Just as a quick aside, Taryn, have you seen actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, do we have three minutes, Jackson, for me to show Taryn actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, of course. I think it's actual relevant to the rest cannibal? of our conversation. There was nothing that brought this about. Like, it wasn't in response to anything. Mm-hmm. Just the dude who made this just decided that this was the case. All right. Listener, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf, the video is just called Shia LaBeouf Live by Rob Cantor. Give yourself three minutes and 27 seconds, go check it out. We're going to watch it now. I just love the constant descriptions of him as Hollywood superstar Shia <laughs> Such a good descriptor. I'm a changed person. Yeah, and it really helped him. Anyway, that fresh side of beef is in the movie now. He rides up alongside the train that Indiana Jones is on, on his cool motorbike, and he's like, Hey, Professor, you know the ox? Albert Oxley? And he's like, uh, yeah, I used to know that guy. What about him? And he's like, I'm gonna kill him! And he's like, Indiana Jones is like, uh, that sounds interesting. And so I guess he gets off the train. They never make that clear, which really frustrates me. Because the next thing that happens is the two of them are sitting in a 1950s diner. And... We are getting a lot of information very quickly. Rough cliff notes of it is that, like, Mutt Williams, uh, like, his mother knew Indiana Jones and asked him to, uh, like, to help him find Harold Oxley, or the Ox, who is a mentor figure to Mutt Williams and a friend who was obsessed with these crystal skulls in a place called Akator, which is another name for El Dorado. And so the Ox has gone to El Dorado slash Akator to find a crystal skull and Mutt Williams is here to ask Indiana Jones to help 
basically. It's and like, also they've also a- and also they've been followed by KGB agents. That's the scene, basically. And then some Russian dudes walk over. Yeah. But before that, he does say his mom's name is Mary Williams, and he's like, yeah. Do you remember her? And then he goes, There were a lot of Marys. I mean, and yeah. then Shia LaBeouf just freaks out. Freaks out at him. He's like, yeah. "That's my mother you're talking but, about there, but buddy." But also, like, not yeah. so much. Like, I mean, I that, like that whole thing is like its own separate, uh, its own separate, uh, you know, uh, can of can of beans. But like the the fact that like Indiana Jones was like, "Oh, you mentioned a woman's name. <laughs> What's a lot of that woman's name in my uh, dangerous <laughs> sexual experience? Let me tell you, kid. Yeah. Like hey, he's listen, just listen, met kid. this guy. He's like a. He's, I nailed he's a, a tenured... lot of people with your mom's name. Yeah. <laughs> he's a tenured college professor. That's like. <laughs> really getting on in years there's like a like what looks like a barely like a teenage kid in front of him and he's like man i've fucked a lot of people uh with your mom's name specifically like that is uh, yeah. wild like they're in a bar in america and there's these two russian guys i'm like why don't they just shout like hey these guys are communists and then like everyone in the bar is gonna say <laughs> that, that would be they want to make their exit quietly but India, oh you mean yeah. Oh. Indiana Jones has a better idea, which is he whispers to that fresh side of beef, hey, punch that random guy. So he does, and it starts a huge bar brawl between, between the, the greasers and the, and the Letterman kids. jacket yeah. kids. <laughs> which I love, actually. It's so good. And then yeah. um, the, the preps start like hassling Mutt, throw him back, and he is caught by a full gang of greasers. And it is like, I was like, are we getting some dance fighting here? It's all for a West Side Story. <laughs> it's very It exciting. did look West Side Story. But we didn't get to see any of the West Side Story dance fighting, which no. is the sad, sad part of it. But I like that. I think that's a lot better than my play, which was just to yell that they were Russians. Um, <laughs> they get away to, to, Mutt's, to Mutt's motorbike. They get on the motorbike. There's a bike chase that ensues. At this point, again, I'm just like, I'm digging this movie a lot. And Indiana Jones reveals, at this point, he's like, your mother didn't get away. They let her go so she could send you this letter. By the way, he had a coded letter from the ox that was gonna give to me so they could chase me and then we'd lead them to, like, you know, some convoluted bullshit like yeah, that. Yeah. And They definitely drive through uh, the university and they drive through a better dead than red <laughs> yeah. rally, which is, of course, yep. that's all America was doing in 1957. Yep. Which, importantly, fun fact for you two, uh, they filmed that on the Yale campus. Hey! I just got a fucking tour of my alma mater because they're driving along, and I was like, wait, I recognize that. And then they're going through, like, the dorm where I used to live and making a lot of things that were not... They actually went past the same pl- place, like, two or three times in that chase, which I only noticed because I uh, know the buildings. Uh- but it was it was really fun for me. They went out, and so when they're in the rally, that's where all the freshmen live uh, in their first year uh, at Yale. So there's a little they live for they that. live in an anti-communist rally. And Yale Yale makes them for a year <laughs> to get yeah. into they Yale. It. You march for they look one on year. To it. <laughs> Against against communism, yeah, exactly. or whatever the current biggest enemy of establishment <laughs> America is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, that's interesting, Taryn. That's interesting trivia about Yale and there the fact that they make yeah, the a little do bit that. of a little, little bit of a no. um, IMDb goof there as well. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alright, so the KGB boys drive into a statue of Marcus Brody for reasons that escape me. Same. Uh, I, I didn't get it. There was obviously something being referenced there. But it no, it was literally just like, it was shouting out Marcus rolls Brody. Into his lap. Yeah, and, and then Mutt is like, haha, nice. And he's like, I love that statue. Like, he. <laughs> He's so, yeah. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Then they, they zoom away. They're like zooming through the 
the library. And then this fucking kid stands up and is like, excuse me, I'm Dr. Jones. Um, I have a question about this. And then, like, <laughs> Indy's just kind of like, fuck your question, kid. Read this other person instead. And also, if you want to be a good archaeologist, you got to get out of the library. Which I feel like... On a motorbike <laughs> with me right now. Yeah. And zooms <laughs> off into the distance. It's just like... Yeah, I mean, oh. it's a powerful look. Can you imagine if your professor did that at uni? Like, rode into the lab or whatever... <laughs> On a fucking motorbike and was like, hey now, you fucking nerds, get out and see the world. Particularly if you weren't doing archaeology as well, right? And they came in talking about, like, if you want to be a good archaeologist, archaeologist, get out of here. Uh... There was definitely a Wilhelm scream in this scene, so that's nice. I appreciate that. One of the kids who was carrying a bunch of books when the motorbike came in did Wilhelm scream, which was very fun. Love that. Uh... So, all right, they escape, and they're hanging out somewhere, and I guess in Indiana Jones' house, and he realizes that the letter from Ox is a riddle written in an ancient language that nobody speaks anymore. We're getting a lot of characterization of the Ox as a character here, where he's like, huh, leave it to the Ox to write a riddle in a language nobody speaks. And I'm just like, why are we getting so much characterization for a character that is not on screen, will not yeah. be on screen very much at all, and when he is on screen, doesn't have is much not to do. the character, yeah. and, and like is not like spoiler spoiler is not in the frame of mind to be the character that like what why are they building this character? It's so that then... when you do see him in his later altered state, you're like, but I know underneath all that, yeah, all a, that cray yeah. is a man who I respect. All that who writes a riddle in an ancient language. Now I will say ancient riddles. That was Ooh, one of our points of irrecoverability, yes, so I'm going to allow good. it. I'm going to allow it as a point um, here. Uh, so the in- riddle refers to the Nazca Lines, yes. which is a thing. If you know what the Nazca Lines are. I thought this was great. I love this. Considering, again, like the source material of this movie, spoiler, spoiler, is Aliens, if you didn't put that together from like the mummified, weird, magnetic corpse that they pulled out and the references to like Roswell and shit. Um, like the, it, it's related to Aliens in, in some way. And Nazca Lines is this, like, big, like, geological structures in South America, in Peru, in, in Nazca, where there's this, like, weird drawings carved into the earth. Like, this is a real thing, and, like, no one's really sure how they were made or why they were made. It's one of those, like, mysteries of the ancient world kind of thing. Um, and it's, like, a common, like, alien conspiracy theory thing, where people are like, the Nazca Lines must have been made by aliens or referring to aliens or because something like that. Because you can only see them from really, really yeah. high up, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, like, and then they're like, yeah, why would they have been doing it? So now we travel my map again! Yay! We no did more it! Fridge. They folded although, it in! Although, can yeah. you imagine if, like, yeah. this scene <laughs> was Mutt and Indiana Jones getting into a fridge and just, like, 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 rolling yeah, get a across... Pro- yeah, rolling across the Atlantic Ocean. Like, can you imagine? They, they, they get in the fridge, and he just pushes a button, and his house explodes. And the fridge <laughs> across the map. Fuck, dude, they that'd be so funny. That would be the best. But no, they're in like a fucking series of planes, including a private charter jet, where Mutt definitely brings his motorbike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very important. Uh, he also has, like, a, a cool knife that he likes to do little tricks with. Mutt is basically just, like, a parody of, of himself. Like, he's just walking around. Yeah, he's a cool, edgy teen. Yeah. Um, but they, so, basically, they have reason to believe that Ox uh, was, like, uh, confined in a uh, sanitarium in the area, an institution. Um, and we so fix. they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sanitarium weed picks. Um, but they're going to go there to check out, I guess, his lodgings and to see if there are any clues there. Yeah, now this was not clear to me. It was like 
I thought he was taken by the Russians. Like, why was he in, like, a jail? They go to yeah. Nazca, yeah, like, a jail slash sanitarium. It didn't yeah, make it. The, the no. timeline, the timeline of what happened in Peru relating to Ox and the skull and everything that is important later in the movie and, like, the, you know, Mutt's mum, who we'll get to later, like, what they were all doing, like, when they were captured, why they were captured, when they were all in given places, I just was trying so hard to make sense of. But I just, like, could not make sense of it at all. Like, when was he in this sanitarium relative to when he was doing all that other stuff? Like, it doesn't... Anyway. So they're down there. They're, like, bonding. Mutt and India bonding. And Mutt's like, oh, I quit school. And he's like, why'd you quit school? And he's like, oh, I quit tons of school. Stuffy boarding colleges and whatnot. Trying to teach me how to fucking joust and do... Play chess. Play chess and shit. And then he's like, I don't care about any of that. I just want to fix cool motorbikes because I'm a cool greaser boy. And Indy's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Fix your motorbikes all you like. Also, I was once kidnapped by some infamous Mexican freedom fighters. I don't know. Like, he... Uh, yeah, he, I, he knows the local dialect of Yeah, Quech- I guess Peruvians. Quechua. Yeah, I don't know. It, also, Ray Winston is there, by the way. They walk into the sanitarium. Ray Winston's just leaning against a column, like, looking over a newspaper. With his white fedora, smoking a big old cigar. Yeah. So you know he's no good. Like, I think, like, it's it's contractual that Ray Winston has to, like, look like that and do that in every movie. Well, just he did it with style. nonchalantly be in the distance, like, smoking a cigar. Like, it's a, it's a thing. Well, like, what... A- yeah, he just yeah, like Ray Winston's career is like he's he's very good, but like directors seem to love just being like, what if you were not a good actor in this film and you would just be like bad, <laughs> like like it's because like like for example in um he, he plays. Oh my god, he plays the same character separated by five decades in fucking, like, the Point Break remake, where he's basically, like, the exact same character. Um, Yeah, dude! Like, he for, totally is. For some reason, I think Ray Winston was like, listen, the only I've done The Departed. The only roles I want to do now are roles where I wear like a lot of fun, like Hawaiian shirts. Like, I smoke I'm cigars. I'm like a hedonistic and I'm spy. In, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's, That's my whole the vibe. Only I'm roles Ray Winston. He wants to play. Exactly. Yeah, he's a hedonistic spy. So they go into the sanitarium. Uh, Indy's, like, solving the riddle on the fly, like, reading as they go. The next part of the riddle after the Nazca lines that Ox left them was they had to find Oriana's cradle. So, important to note, Oriana is the name of this, I guess, Spanish conquistador who supposedly came down to Peru looking for this, you know, city where he was looking for both the skulls and also the place he was supposed to return them. And they're like, we have to find his cradle. And Jones is like, hmm, why would we need his cradle? Like, why would we want to go to where he was born? That doesn't make any sense. Hmm... Anyway, they get into Ox's old cell. There's a bunch of, like, madman carvings all over the wall, including the word return in, like, 30 different languages and all these, like, sketchings of, like, an elongated, weird, like, skull type thing. Like a, like a human skull with, like, a really elongated head. Uh, then, like, all over the floor, he quickly realizes is... And the way he realizes this is not clear to me. There are specific markings in the floor, and he's like, oh, sweep those up. And so Mutt sweeps up all the dust on the floor so he can see the carvings, and he's like, hmm, that's right. What's on the ground is like, okay, maybe it looks like a drawing of, like, a place. Maybe it looks like a map. Fine, you could probably draw that conclusion if you like. But Indiana Jones is like, 
Oh, right. In Mayan, the word cradle literally translates as resting place. So we're not looking for where he was born. We're looking for where he died. And that on the ground is a map of the place that he died. And it's just like, okay, not sure how you put that together. <laughs> uh, Mutt is like, oh, I thought nobody ever found where Oriana died. And Jones basically barrels the camera and goes, huh, I guess... What is it? Herbert Oxley did. What's his name? Harold. Harold Oxley did. Again, characterizing this guy as this, like, amazing archaeologist (laughs) who we're supposed to care about. They go to the grave of Ariana. How the fuck they find it, based on the map of the gravesite that is on the ground, is beyond me. Like, I don't think the implication was that the carving in the ground was a map of how to get to the (laughs) gravesite. It was like a map... Of the gravesite. No, they do a transition where it goes from the overhead of the carving to the yeah. overhead of yeah. the shot of the cemetery. And there's no explanation as to how, how they got they there. How they got to the cemetery. And he was like, no, no, no. When we were flying over, I was watching the ground. All the ground, yeah. So I have a, you know, mental picture of exactly where we need to go. Yeah, exactly. So they find it somehow. As they're walking in, we see that they're being followed by some creepy sneakersons. Some dudes who are, like, hiding in the trees and shit. And uh, they're, like, walking into this grave, and Shia LaBeouf is like, huh, hmm, it says here grave robbers will be punished. And he's like, good thing we're not grave robbers, whilst putting a shovel over his shoulder and uh, walking into a grave. And then, I guess that, like, was that like a dig at the concept of archaeology? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. uh, Uh, A classic T-Baby zinger. (laughs) Um... Anyway, uh, the creepy sneakersons, the dudes wearing these creepy masks, burst out, and we get some big, goofy combat slash violence, which was another one of our points of remakeability. You've got Indiana Jones smacking dudes in the face with shovels, you've got dudes jumping on Mutt and just, like, slapping the shit out of him while he's like, what the fuck? A dude at one point gets up with, like, a dart gun and is gonna, like, blow a poison dart down at fucking <laughs> Mutt, and, and fucking... Jones pulls the sickest maneuver of all time. He just pops up in front of this guy's dart gun, grabs it, and blows really hard into it. So it's, the dart goes down the dude's throat. It's oh. a it's an interesting and like a high risk play. Like it is Oh yeah. Because it is a matter of like like fractions of a second before he like kills oh, himself. Yeah. Like, surely you just yeah, take... you can add one you, to just, the Jones should be dead counter. Exactly. Surely you just, like, strike it out of his hand, right? But I guess Indy just wants... Indy wants to look a man <laughs> directly in the eyes as he, like, spits, like, a fucking, like, dart back down their throat. Like, it is... It's a lot. They continue into the grave, and... Uh, Shia gets scared by a spider web, and then he goes, Oh, it's just a thing. Okay, weird line for someone to have. Oh, it's just a thing. He doesn't say spider web. He says, oh, it's just a thing. Anyway. They, um, uh, they like, move a the- skull and it opens a secret passageway. Um, yeah, Mutt, that's right. Mutt gets covered in scorpions and, like, Indiana Jones is like, <laughs> you idiot, who cares about something like that? Even though the man clearly has a phobia of, like, some of, like, creepy crawlies and that sort of thing. Like, notably, well, like, snakes. Ticks. But, like... but yeah, like He doesn't give think, a shit about other creepy crawlies. But you think he'd have some sympathy. Some, some sympathy. Some empathy for yeah. the guy, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, no. no, I mean, um, he's, a, he's a garbage human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's really... And old dog can't, can't learn new tricks, I guess. Um, there's, like, a weird balancing disc thing. Um, which is not even really worth, like, talking about. But, like, basically, like, they... <laughs> Honestly, it's really not. <laughs> they get, the I think point the only is... point of that scene, though, was to 
to establish that before this, um, what's his name? Mutt, Mutt has just been like really just like shitting all over Indy and being like, "How old are you? Like eighty? And just trying to establish himself as this like cool dude, cool yeah, dude. As, and then as, the as soon as they get into the cemetery, he just loses that whole act, yeah. and he's just scared, and he doesn't know what's happening. So he's like, "Indy, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Trust me, like I've done this before." And yeah. then able is able to find this passage. Yeah, yeah that, no, totally. that's true. Um, so they get on into this tomb, and there's all these skulls, and they all have elongated skulls, and the fucking Mutt's like, why are all the skulls elongated? And Indy's like, it's a thing they did to honor the gods, they used to bind the heads of their children with linen, and then the skulls would elongate, and then they would, like, look like this. And they were like, whoa, that's fucked up. Anyway, they, like, find their way into this inner tomb, like you said, and they, like, cut open, like, another mummy, similar to the ones that they saw before, and it's, like, perfectly preserved, and then the second it touches the air, it crumbles to ash. No. I don't know what the point no, was. No, no, absolutely that. not. First of all, that was the most poorly constructed mummy I have ever seen. There was so much now, Taren, space. How many mummies have you seen? A fair few, my friend. Yes. If you go to museums mm-hmm. here in Australia, mm-hmm. or I was in Ireland and I saw a couple recently, uh-huh. they got all, all those mummies up in there. And you would say every single one of those was better constructed than easily, this one. Easily, easily. It was a te- well, because the whole point is that the bindings are really tight around them to prevent the air from getting in. But Indy, there was so much space that he could just take his knife, stab through it go down and it's just billowing like a bag around it. That doesn't make any sense. Now you've really pointed something out here which is what I think is actually texturally like kind of gross. Most of the things, like the cocoon, like the little coffins and shit that people are digging into, have so much space in this move in this movie. Like, all the yes. materials are, like, kind of soft and pliable, and they're, like, digging in, like, it's skin, and it's really gross to watch, and it happens a lot. So many times. Yeah. Now, Taryn, I will contend this. Mm. Those mummies you've seen that are better constructed, are any of them this well-preserved? No, because again, See? not now, maybe, a real thing. Maybe leaving the layer of air, maybe that's how you do it. But then uh, earlier we established that way back in the warehouse when mm-hmm. she was ripping into those remains, mm-hmm. she just pulls out this hand and it, it's totally decayed and gross. But this one, for some reason, is fine. Like, Get, why is it that the air back a, there didn't have any effect, and the air here was like, oh, he just went from, like, he died yesterday to just, like, Because you know in, why, this, in this universe, sometimes, like, like elements and, like, uh, fields have certain properties that sometimes work <laughs> and sometimes don't. Um, so oh, that's, I that's see. The yeah. that, that's the magic of this And also, the, yeah. the, the mummy with the alien in it was American-made, whereas this one was uh. made by ancient <laughs> Peruvians, and so it's, like... You know, better? Yeah, it yeah. works. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah All right. The, I think it was the implication there. Right. They do that, and then they're like, oh, here's Oriana, the guy we came here to find. It's another one of these mummies. He's a wonderful metallic man who just loves gold. He's wearing a gold mask on his face, and he just loves to be a gold man. Apparently, they called him the gold man, and he loved gold. And they take his gold mask off, and his face is already crumbled, because it's already been opened, I suppose. Yeah, and they do establish that. just... Sitting somewhere nearby, like nowhere specific, there is a giant crystal skull that seems to be magnetic. It's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You better believe that's the crystal skull. They definitely did do it. Uh, At this point, Indiana Jones decides to do some monk-style detective work to figure out the order of events. Remember when I was fucking trying to figure out what the order of events was before? He's like, ah, okay, so Ox came down, found the skull 
brought it to Akator, knew the Russians were after him, so he brought it back here to stash it here. Interesting. And then he got captured. And then I'm just like, okay, I don't think that tracks. Where did you get that from? If he was in Akator with the skull, it's later implied the Russians don't know where Akator is. Why did he leave with the skull rather than stashing it there? It doesn't... It doesn't make any sense, like, also the line because, of events like, that they're trying to and retrace And, like, because him here. losing his mind, uh, as we find out later, there's, like, a certain degree to which he's, like, um, almost under the thrall of this, like, skull in some way, which means it's, like, wild that the skull would be like, all right, crazy boy, let's uh, get out of here, take the <laughs> take skull me, away. Take me and back over there. Back. Like, it's like, what is it? Like, take me back to that trip? random fucking grave <laughs> that I was in before. And hide me behind a mummy. That's yeah. where I want Just to be. Just me behind that fucking dead Spanish guy. <laughs> back in that old grave. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Okay, uh, he leaves the tomb with the crystal skull, and there's where Rinston going, Hello, Jonesy! There's something there. Maybe a title pitch. I don't know. I had a title pitch here of, like, Hello, Jonesy, and then points gun in brackets, because I think that's very very much (laughs) Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, Mac here, I have written down... Right, yeah, okay. So the, the the Russians capture Indy and Mutt and take them to a camp, and then it's just like Indy's... Like, Which is and- up in the Amazon. We, we we move locations. Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> so they're in the Amazon now, and Mac comes in, and he's like, Jonesy, we're going to find you and me the city of gold. We're going to be blooming rich, mate, once we get to the city of gold. And then, like, there seems to be no purpose to this scene. Well, no, he, he keeps being like, it's just like Berlin. It's like Berlin, Jonesy! And then, like, Cape Blanchett comes in. He's like, oh, fuck, I gotta buy! And then he leaves. And he just runs away. He just runs away like a little coward. Also, Indiana Jones definitely does say to him, when I get out of here, I'm gonna break your nose. That's the first thing that he does say. So, um, the Soviets, they, they catch Indiana Jones. Like, they, they've caught Indiana Jones. They're all celebrating. Um, Spalco comes in. She's all about psychic warfare. She wants to make the skull a psychic weapon. Um, yep. She uh, okay, shows, yeah, there's so much to unpack in this scene. She shows him like the corpse of like the like the mummified corpse, which is an alien, which has like a slit in the back of the neck where its whole skull was removed, leaving just rubbery, yeah, okay. gross skin, which is kind yep. of a lot. Okay, 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 okay. But what I want to know is, she's like, see. I'm a psychic agent, also there are aliens, the alien skeletons are made out of psychic crystals that turn people into psychic super soldiers and Stalin wants to find them, we did find this alien corpse that you helped us steal and its skeleton was made entirely of crystal. Okay, so where's its skull? Because the skulls, like, the skull that Indiana Jones has is accounted for, like, later in the movie where it comes from, like, spoiler alert, we, we find out. Like, there was a skull in this body that they had. There was a crystal skull. In that alien body, they said the skeleton was made of crystal. Where is it? Why is it not in the movie? What, like, happened to that skull? Anyway, whatever, fucking... We can't worry about it, because it literally never comes up. She has the crystal skull that she stole off Indy. She's like, oh yeah, we found Ox. He went crazy from looking into the skull's eyes, because the skull has psychic powers and it speaks to people. Anyway, our plan with this right now is you, Indiana Jones, are going to look into the skull and go crazy so you can talk to Ox and understand what he's saying. Which means, conveniently, that also us, the audience, are going to spend a few minutes just looking at a picture of this crystal skull 
prop and just being like, whoa, yep. okay, and not losing our minds. Like, it's it's like, it's it's not affecting at all. Like, it's it's literally just like a slow zoom in of this weird skull as Indiana Jones is like, and Kate Blanchett monologues in really bad Russian. And, and then Indiana Jones, like, psychically says the word return to Ox, who's sitting outside by the fire. Right, so we haven't quite established this yet. Ox is here, and he's lost his mind. He's lost his marbles. He's just, like, dancing yeah. around, if it sound, swinging if a big If it sounds like maker. we sort of stopped watching the movie and are just, like, grasping at straws now, it's because watching this movie, it is incomprehensible at this point. Like... Well, I think, like, my... my I, honestly, I think it was this scene and the scene in the diner. Like, there were two five-minute bursts where I was just like, this is so impenetrable... Like, what is going on here? There's too much going on. There's too much information being thrown too quickly. You can't just do that and then not explain this bit and this bit. But then, like, other than that, it was pretty easy to follow what was going on, I thought. But, like, just this scene in particular was just very, like, what, why? So Indiana Jones looks at the skull for a little bit and then he goes outside. Like, I don't even know, like, why he stops looking at the skull. They, they, they're like, okay, that's enough of that. Well, they were afraid <laughs> he was going to go full-blown to Ox level. Yeah, and they needed him to be kind of an intermediary. <laughs> what I want to know is, like, why him? Like, why did they... Because they like, didn't want to do that. Yeah, but, like, any of their soldiers. No, no, like, but she, like, she like... says... she Like, so, um, Spalco says the skull doesn't look... Uh, the, the skull doesn't speak to everyone. Doesn't speak to everyone. But so how Spalco... do they know it's going to speak to him? I guess... How do they know it's going to speak because, to Indy? Because Maybe, the because film's earlier called in Indiana the movie, Jones. she tried to read his mind, <laughs> and it didn't work, so she was like, this guy, oh, maybe. the skull's going to get through to All him. All right, Taryn said a thing that made sense while I was laughing at your good joke, Jackson. <laughs> <That's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll figure it all out. Um, it was from when she, she read his mind, maybe, at the start of the movie. Uh, anyway, that's, 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 such a, that's such a reach that Taryn had to make to explain it. Yes. Well, how else could they have picked him? Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying if that's the justification, they need to do better. Yeah. Um, but also, um, at this time, he goes outside, like, when yep. he's meeting his old bud, and they bring out a uh, good old junior. Okay, this makes no sense. Little, little Shia, babe. Because, like, who is Shia to them? Who is Mutt Williams? Like, why do they give a fuck about yeah. Mutt Williams? Like, I think they're also, just trying also... to use him as, like, a, like a bargaining chip, because they try to shoot him, and then he's just... Combs his hair. Oh my god! And is like, M- Mutt no, is such like, don't a tell him anything, American. He literally is like, don't yeah, give these dude. pigs nothing. Kill me now. Kill, kill my teen body now. Like it is wild. Again, for some reason, they think Mutt has some valuable insight and know somehow in a way that is very unclear that he's related to Mary Williams, who they also have captive, who they bring out of the tent, and it is immediately revealed that, boom, she's Marion Ravenwood from fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. That is right. It is Marion yeah. Ravenwood. She was indeed the one who Indy had a relationship with twice and then left her twice. And then, I yeah. guess, and And thus, kid. like, the grand tome of trauma continues as, like, Marion, like, comes face to face with a man that has literally ruined her life on pretty much every occasion like on every time that they run into each other he just makes a habit of ruining every just wrecking her everything whole yeah. i suppose you could make an argument that in this movie like literally the only reason he gets dragged into this is to save her like in a sense i mean <laughs> i mean it is like she she's like it's more to save ox and she happens to be yeah there. she's like yeah. get in the He'll save us. And yet again, like, yet again okay, it's, it's the archaeology that's getting in, that, that's like really driving India along. Marion is literally yeah, along right. for the ride again. 
this scene is playing out. Ox is there, Mutt is there, Indy's there, Marion's there, and they're all like having a like little beefing it out, just talking about their own personal lives, whilst the Russian camp is literally just standing around. Watching. They're just standing there watching them. And I'm like, what is their deal here? Like, why are they... Why... What are they doing here? Anyway, Indy eventually goes over to talk to Ox, and Ox is sitting on the ground, and he's all fucking brain scrambled, and he starts this riddle about how three times it will drop, and then I'm weeping through the tears before I find the golden key, blah 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 blah. Just like a, you know, more ancient riddling. I hate his filthy, filthy style. And, <laughs> and uh, he scrolls out a little pictogram on a piece of paper that Indy takes and looks at and says, well, the wavy lines mean water, of course. <laughs> like, that's so obvious. Like, of course these random wavy lines mean water. Great work. Uh, and then, play of the day. Play of the day for that young side of beef for me. He just, like... He's like, all right, Indiana Jones has lost the plot. He's forgotten why we're down here. Like, he's not trying to save us at all. He's straight up working with Spelko to decipher Oxley's, like, little pictogram. The two of them are standing there looking at it. So he just makes a play. And he just, like, pushes over one of the Russian guards. Some chaos ensues. And they all get away. And I was just like, fucking MVP to Mutt. Like, he, t- he took charge when Indy was, like, getting distracted by his obsession with archaeology. But then it quickly becomes evident that he has absolutely no plan. And so while they're just sort of bickering and trying to figure out what to do, eventually they stumble into what they think is quicksand. But it's not quicksand because Indy will well actually explain Uh, it to you. As you're sinking into the substance itself. Yeah, he loves to do it. And so the sinking into this not quicksand, it's something else like a dry sand pit. And then... Like, Mutt, again, man of action, is like, all right, I'll figure this out. Just hang tight. And it's Marion and Indy that are sinking, and Ox is just standing there, and Mutt runs off to get help. And this is the moment that Marion decides to reveal that Mutt is, in fact, Indy's son. He's Henry Jones III. He's Indiana Jones Jr. Jr. Yeah, he is, Indy in fact, Indy's is son also a deadbeat dad now as well. He can add that, yeah. <laughs> add that to the list of yeah. crimes. Like, it's just... In his defense, an unwilling one. And he seems to be like, what the fuck? You didn't tell me I had a son. And then he's like really mad about that and like wants to raise I mean, his okay. son. No, no, but, no, like, but, but to, be, just... to be fair, to be fair, he did bail on her a week before oh, yeah. the wedding as well. Like, oh, yeah. it, it, it's something oh, yeah. where Indy's oh, yeah. like, what no, the fuck? And no he's like, question dude, about that. you suck. Yeah, he definitely does suck. But like, sh- yeah, anyway. I just love that he jumps in and like first thing he says is like, why didn't you make him finish school? It just goes full dad mode, like, yeah. immediately. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing I found so strange. Like, why he just immediately, like, really cares about this child is so invested in his life. Like, the second, like, the literal second he <laughs> learns this child exists, he's like, he must get an education. <laughs> Send him back to school. Uh, anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Okay, this also definitely happens where Indy's like, okay, Ox... Go get help. And you're sitting there thinking, why? What help who? is he going to get? Who is he going to go get, get, man? Who is around that you would want him to go get? Yeah. You know he's brain scrambled. Not to mention, Mutt already went off to get something to help you. Why do you send the crazy dude off to go try and get help from 
where. So Mutt comes back, he couldn't find a rope, but he found a snake, which we, of course, like, he quickly throws to Marion, Marion grabs the snake, MVP to that snake, what an absolute <laughs> fucking hero. He gets used as a literal rope to pull Marion out of this not quicksand. They throw the snake to Indy, he won't grab it because he's afraid of snakes, and then he's like, just say, say it's a rope, I can't grab it if it's a snake. And then they're oh. like, fine, it's a rope, you weird old man. <laughs> and he grabs the rope and they pull him out of the not quicksand. And then Shia LaBeouf delivers another great title pitch in You're One Crazy Old Man, which I think is a pretty accurate description of the film. And then moments later, um, good old Ox, unsurprisingly, finds the only other people in uh-huh. these woods... It comes back with the Russians who are like, yep. ha ha ha. And it's like, what, what did you think was yep. going to happen What there? did you think was going to happen? That was totally on Indiana Jones, 100% on Indy, which again, like, is very true to the character of Indy. If you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, everything he does, he just continually fucks it up. Like, everything. He fucks it all up at the last minute. It's all... Like, just demonstrably worse off than if he'd done nothing at all. I know. Like, literally, like, like, certainly, like, the, like, Raiders uh, was the same, but, like, this film was, yeah, like, so remakeable in the sense that, like, you're just watching this being, like, if you just stopped at any point here, we wouldn't have to end up where we end up. Like, there are so many, there are so many get out of jail free cards here that Indy's just kind of like, nah, I'm not. I, I, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm going to crash this ship. So now they've been captured again, and they're in the back of a transport back wagon, and they're having an argument about essentially the stuff we mentioned before, about how Indy left Marion at the altar, and how the boy's his son, and the boy, Mutt's like, you're not my dad, and then he's like, but I am your dad, and you're going to go back to school. And he's like, but you said I didn't have to go to school. And I'm just like, all right, whatever, I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> but Indy uses this as a distraction to have a good old-fashioned father-son kick him up. A beautiful moment, because there's only one guard in the back of the wagon with the con- with the fucking fugitives that they're tracking or you know keeping hostage here and so indy kicks him in the face mud kicks him indy kicks him mud kicks him they have a good old-fashioned kick him up and they <laughs> kick him right to sleep and then like marion's like oh indy you're so great i've got stockholm syndrome yet again Thank and indy's you. like yes yeah. it is it is so yeah. stockholm syndrome because she's like they've, they've been arguing about bullshit and then like um she's like i bet you were with countless women which to be fair he brags about all the time and then yeah he like he says yep. they all had one problem they weren't you. She beams like the biggest It's like smile a spell. You- yeah, It's like literally. a spell has been cast. Yeah, that was wild. I was it's- like, all right, girl, you re- you're really going to buy that line? Yeah. Literally years later, you're like, no, but he said they weren't me. Yeah, oh. yeah, she... Yeah, it's bad. That and was then, bad. So he, like like, off-camera goes off to hijack the truck, because at this point, we've seen Indiana Jones hijack so many vehicles, we don't need to see it. Like, <laughs> just like, you know it happened, Throughout all right? this franchise, he's obsessed with hijacking vehicles whilst they're still moving. Like, and the concession to it in this is we see a man tumbling through the scrub, and then we see Indy behind the wheel of the truck. <laughs> like, we don't need to see the rest of it, you know what happened. And then, uh... Fucking Indy, sorry, Marion and, and Mutt come up and they're like, oh, nice job with the truck, dad, and also dear. I think she starts calling him like sweetheart pretty much from this scene forward. And uh, yeah. this is the turning point of the film like, where it's like, oh, they're in love now. Like, he he, yeah. paid, he paid her. I, I was about to say a compliment, but like, I. I'm not even sure it needs necessarily that either, but there's one semi-positive remark, and like she, she's just kind of like, great, that's it. Let's get the whole band back together. It's wild. 
you're the guy now. Yeah. So he then is like, all right, I got a plan here because there's a whole convoy here of Russian cars that are moving through the fucking Amazon rainforest, I suppose. Where they're going doesn't matter. They've got the crystal skull. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out later. So they're traveling along. And Indy's like, all right, I got a plan. And he goes back into the back of the truck that they were in and he comes back with a fucking rocket launcher. And then he's like, this will be a great idea. And he shoots a rocket at like one of the cars in the front of the pack. It blows up, sends a giant piece of metal careening rapidly backwards down the convoy, rolls over all the other cars, including their own. They narrowly avoid death. So Indiana Jones, by way of his reckless, reckless actions, has nearly gotten everybody killed yet again. Fuck that guy. Uh, This, of course, starts another big trip. Truck chase. What is it with this franchise and truck chases? Why does every movie need to have like three to four discrete truck chases? <laughs> anyway, this truck chase goes on for so fucking so long. long. And there is so much wild shit that happens. So like basically like, I don't know, to summarize this whole thing, yeah, let's like get, let's you've got Indy and it. Mutt. You've got Indy and Mutt like just jumping from truck to truck, fighting people. The whole concession is that they're trying to get Indy and Mutt and Ox and Marion and the Crystal Skull and escape. I would say at the point that they've hijacked their truck and they don't have the skull and they're all in the same truck, that's a pretty good way for you to just be like, all right, we're out of here now. (laughs) You can just be like, dunzo. But no, they decided they had to do this whole thing. So they're like, Jumping around, Indy jumps into the car that has Mac in it. Mac's like, Jonesy! And then when Jones fucking clocks him in the face, he's all surprised. Why is he surprised? Why is he surprised? Is, yeah, why did he think something else was going to happen? You know, because, because he mentioned Berlin, which we find out later. Yeah. Um, uh, I fuck, well, right fuck, now, in fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We find out. Like, yeah, yeah basically, Find out right like, second. they were double agents in Berlin, and Mac is like, I've been CIA the whole time. Um... And I'm then, a double agent. Indiana yeah. Jones immediately believes him. Um, uh, Which a, a sword fight love. happens over like two cars. Yeah, right. Like that's right. So Mutt, Mutt, whilst Indiana Jones is getting Mac, I guess Mutt is trying to get the Crystal Skull, and he jumps into the car that has Spalco in it, and he steals the Crystal Skull, and then he jumps back into his car, which Marion is driving, and then he has a sword fight with Spalco, which is actually kind of awesome. I kind of really dug that, <laughs> and the fact that like she's clearly like a KGB sword fighting agent, and he has no training, and he holds his own so well so in this well. sword fight. I mean, at one point he's straddling two cars, and yeah. then we get the lovely shots of. Just- just foliage just repeatedly hitting him in the crotch yep. because of course yeah gotta get those crotch shots <laughs> gotta in get love em. that goofy violence uh, and he, I gotta confirm the MVP I gave him before for holding his own so well in this shit <laughs> I mean this is a pretty high energy scene uh, until eventually like whilst he's between these two cars he does hit a vine and get trapped in a tree <laughs> <laughs> he gets caught in like a vine snare and then he's just like stuck in a tree next to a monkey. Uh, so Jones lets himself get completely outmaneuvered like an absolute chump because he's driving along in this car and they drive along the side of a cliff. He lets fucking Spalco get on the like outside track of him to start trying to like ram his car off the cliff. Like just absolute chump to your maneuver. You can't let yourself get outmaneuvered like that. <laughs> but whilst this is happening is up in the vines and he's having a moment with a monkey that's just looking at him. And like, this is incredible. (laughs) I love this. See, I referred to shark jumping earlier and this film here just like moves in, like, because I understand the whole like, 
like the the whole thing is like, oh, the Indiana Jones films are meant to be like picking up the tropes of those like actions comics and that sort of thing. Now we're not in a fucking Tarzan film. Like it's, it's literally kind <laughs> of like mutters up there. Uh, he he becomes friend of the monkeys, and also now he knows how to like swing on vines. And, then and so monsters and swing- a legion of monkeys. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's because the monkeys love Hitler, but they hate communists. So the monkeys are like, "Fucking, yeah. let's do it." Yeah, the monkeys are fascists, so they swing along. With- to be fair, the monkeys don't do anything; they're just there for moral support. They just like swing along with Mutt while he's Tarzaning his way through the jungle to get himself back into the fight. Because he Tarzan swings into the car that Spalco is driving, like kicks the driver, and then like helps Indiana Jones and his crew get away by like jumping car to car. Uh, I guess at this point, that's right. Okay. Now, so he's done that, like, fucking, again, fucking MVP Mud has learned how to Tarzan swing through the jungle, <laughs> crashed into the fucking Russian car, beat up the Russian driver, got back into Indy's car, and they're like, nice, we got away. Yeah. And then because he's so busy being it's like, fuck, worth, my son's cool. Yeah, it's, like, probably worth, like, considering a new franchise for, like, Mutt Williams, if you ask me. Like, just off the back of that, if he's going to be, like, swinging around on vines and shit like that and befriending monkeys, that, that's a film I, mean, I want to watch. I think it was meant to be this franchise. <laughs> I think that was what they were going for. Alas. And it just did not eventuate. I'm going to very quickly burn through this variety article on Shia LaBeouf blasting Steven Spielberg. So this dude, after okay. literally being like, hey, we are going to hand you the Indiana Jones franchise. You're going to do okay. it. It's going yeah, to be yeah. a big vibe. Uh, he starts off by being like, um, you get there, like, these are quotes, you get there and you realise you're not meeting the Spielberg you dream of, which is, you know, okay. You're meeting a different Spielberg, who's in a different stage in his career. He's like, he's less a director than he is a fucking company. Um, and then he, like, goes on and being like, everything he does feels mechanical and contrived, the sets are, nice. like, really different, uh, it's all meticulously planned, gotta get a line out in 37 seconds, and, like, da-da-da-da. He's literally just kind of like, I don't like the movies that I made of Spielberg. The only movie that I Melting like... Melting Spielberg. Yeah, the only movie that I liked that we made together was Transformers 1. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I have something else I'd like to do here, Jackson. Rather than our usual mid-show bit, I realised this while I was watching the movie because it was around this point in the movie that I was like having these kinds of thoughts where I was like, this franchise was meant to become the Shia LaBeouf franchise. What happened? Is there another one coming? So I started Googling like other Indiana Jones movies and I discovered something incredible. Okay. Which is not... And like a forthcoming Indiana Jones movie, Taryn, I'm gonna have to ask you to look away from my screen oh, here so you man, don't spoil this for fine. yourself. I discovered the existence of a scrapped Indiana Jones movie accidentally whilst I was looking for information oh about God. the new Shia LaBeouf films uh-huh. that was meant to take the place of the third movie. Like it was meant to be there instead oh. of the fucking um, uh, Last Crusade. The movie is titled Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> and oh, I just no. want to quickly... I just want to read you the plot summary, if I can. Please if you'll do. If you'll allow Please. me to read you the plot summary of Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. Ahem. It opened in a castle in Scotland in 1937, where Indiana Jones, while on a fishing trip, investigates murders by a ghost, the Baron Seamus Seagrove III. That is the first line of the fucking synopsis. He's investigating ghost murders. 
Indy returns Wait, home. Wait, is he communing with the ghosts? He's investigating murders by a ghost. But, oh, the murders that were committed by the ghosts. Yes, that is... All right. The f- okay, Indy returns home where Marcus Brody tells him to aid the zoologist Claire Clark in Africa, who has discovered a 200-year-old pygmy named Taiki. Indy meets up with her and his old friend Scraggy Briar and discovers a suicide... <laughs> yeah. What? What? <laughs> <Scratchy> <laughs> okay. He, he he discovers you're gonna love this, Jackson. A suicidally love-struck student of his named Betsy has stowed along. Oh my god! From the first what? film. Okay. Is is it the maybe? First? It might be Betsy from the first movie. We don't know. Then. For the first mention of the Nazis... This is a parody. The Nazis! Oh, this is a parody, okay. Ben. No, d- dude, this is a real movie that was written. It was developed and it was abandoned in favour of The Last Crusade. We'll get to wow. the behind this. Dude, it was written by Chris Columbus. <laughs> this screenplay. <laughs> yeah, okay, dude. The Nazis, led by Lieutenant Mephisto, who I definitely <laughs> did go look up, and who, who definitely is a half-cyborg with, like, a robotic arm that can blast energy like Iron Man. Fuck off. Oh, of course uh, he is. Fuck they, they attack for no reason. Dude. Fuck off with And this despite, in, <laughs> despite Indy's no, best efforts in the... Ins- We're not doing it anymore. It's done. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Despite Indy's best efforts in the ensuing boat chase, because it wouldn't be an Indiana oh, Jones fishing, movie right? without while well, he was fishing in Scotland, but oh, now right. they're in Mozambique. <laughs> Taiki, the two hundred year old pygmy, is captured. Still, Taiki gave Indy a scroll, which leads him to a lost city via the Zambezi River. There, Indy, Claire, Scraggy, and Betsy enter an uneasy alliance. Oh, God. They they enter an uneasy alliance with pirates. Pirates. Now there's pirates in the movie. So we've had ghosts, pirates. Yep, Nazis. A cyborg. A cyborg Nazi. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> the Nazis attack in a giant tank, <laughs> which Indy manages, dude, which Indy manages to rescue Taiki from using a rhino as his steed. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my man. god. Oh my. <laughs> Taiki. Taiki takes them to the city of Sun Wu King, where it is revealed that Taiki is a prince. Of course. <laughs> Okay, dude, we're not fucking at the craziest line of this yet. You're kidding. His father is then killed by the Nazis. And a battle ensues where Indiana is killed by Mephisto. What? (laughs) They killed him? (laughs) They killed Indiana Jones. Yeah. By a cyborg named Mephisto. Yeah, a cyborg <laughs> named Mephisto kills Indiana Jones. The Nazis are defeated, though, and Taiki takes Indy to the Garden of Immortal no. Peaches. No. Wait, Immortal Where- Peaches? <laughs> peaches? Yeah, yes. Okay. Where Sun Wu King comes to revive Indy. Kazua, who is the captain of the pirates, eats a peach... But dies because he isn't pure of heart. Oh, wasn't he happy? Wasn't he on their side? Yeah. <laughs> that he was in an uneasy alliance with them. It was uneasy. So he's not pure of heart, so he dies. Because that's necessary. 
Sun Woo gives Indy his transforming golden rod, while Betsy decides to stay with Claire. End of synopsis. What? What? She... Oh! I... Ah. Ah. Yep. So that is Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, the scrapped, abandoned third Indiana Jones movie in favor of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Wow. Yeah. That was... I... I don't have anything else to give you this podcast, Ben. I'm sorry. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Yeah, I mean... I <laughs> Wait, so does Indy get revived? Yep. He gets revived in the Garden of the Immortal Peaches. And then he gets a golden he transforming rod. Or is it not the peach? Yeah, then he gets a transforming so golden rod. So he doesn't rod. even... Use also, the peaches in the fuck. How the <sighs> fucking hell is Indiana Jones supposed to pass a test for those that are pure hearted? Like that is some yeah, bullshit. Exactly. No, that we is, have that established is that is not something he can do. He's so far from pure hearted. Um, but my point is, I'm pretty sure this story is actually canon. Uh, in like the Indiana Jones internal canon. Because, like, if you go on, like, the... If you go on the Indiana Jones fandom wiki, which I've been on this afternoon, and you look at the character of Indiana Jones, and, like, you read his, um, like, you know, character description, there are, like, so many other adventures, like, on the scale of the movies that are just not in the movies. That are just, like, other shit that he did in his various careers. I'm pretty sure this is meant to be canonical. There's a big dust em up. They all get out of their cars, and we get a lot of those chunky... Foley punches, like from the original movie, so another point of remakeability. I love that. Turns out this chunky punch fight is happening on an anthill. A lot of people get eaten by ants, which is really gross. Like, Indy yeah. punches a man into some ants. They swarm all into his mouth while he's screaming, and they carry him, like, alive down an anthill while he's being eaten alive. Yeah, that was dark. It's very hard yeah. to watch. I, I gotta say... This has got to be where the creepy crawly point of remakeability is, because there was a scorpion earlier in the movie, but this is where it hits. We have creepy we, was one we, of our points of remakeability. We have like a, a write up here from, um, yeah, from fucking uh, the parents' guide of IMDb, which like puts it as as, as like fourth as this. Dovchenko is killed by a huge swarm of ants, several inches long. <laughs> they swarm into his open mouth as he screams. They carry him yeah, across the ground and suck him headfirst into a massive anthill, <laughs> still screaming. Meanwhile, Arena has like managed to escape these ants by like climbing up a tree, a convenient tree, okay, and they start yes. stacking themselves atop one another. The now sentient ants are yeah. see that she has climbed away and are trying to get at her. Desperately, desperately trying to Vengeful get her. Ants. They all get in Marion's new whip, and she drives like over a tree that bends back and then lands in the river because the car is also a boat. And then the tree like whomping willows upwards and smacks the Nazis who are like clinging to the side of the rock to avoid the ants, and then a couple of them fall down into the river, um, but not Spalco, she's still there. So then the boat car is going down the river, it falls over three waterfalls, and they realise that Oxley's riddle is starting to come true. Three times it must drop. At the end of the third waterfall, they see, I'm just going to fucking blow forward here, are you guys yeah. okay with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just do it, just At the do end it, of the third it. waterfall. So they realise that the riddle with the waterfall is dropping three times. They get to the bottom of it, they see there's another waterfall which is shaped like a skull, and they realise the next line of the riddle is something about, like, weeping the tears away. And they realise they have to go in the weeping eyes of this skull waterfall, because that must be where the weeping eyes were. So, cut to, they've done 
done that. They don't show them climbing this waterfall no, or how they would possibly get there. At some point, Indy has decided he must be the one to return the skull because yeah, it told him to. Straight up brainwashed which... by the skull. Yeah, they're in like an antechamber, and there's like drawings on the wall that imply that there were like 13 aliens that came and changed the world. Yeah, this is the point. The aliens are the ones that had these elongated skulls. Now, this is a nice nod to another bit of conspiracy theory thing, because a lot of people say like, oh, if you look at like ancient drawings of like Egyptian kings, a lot of them had really elongated skulls, which like modern skulls have said was like hydroencephalus, which is like a brain disease, but like... And it was, like, genetic, which is why it would have been in the family. But other people say it's because they mated with aliens with these elongated skulls. And if you look at the drawings, they have elongated skulls. And maybe there were aliens involved. So this is kind of a nod to that. There's these, like, 13 big alien-looking things that are hanging out. And, like, I guess they were, like, the gods that the the Nazcan people wanted to, like, model their babies' heads after. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they're heading through Akator. And they get chased right out of the temple by a bunch of, I guess, the locals who have just been, like... For thousands of years guarding this space, I suppose. We quickly see the Russians. They're back outside. They will not quit. Fucking Spalko just will not quit. She's she's found a little a little beeping red thing, which we take to be a tracker, which we're not sure if it was planted in their car or how it got to be on oh, their Oh, yeah, person. that's right. I forgot about the trackers. I was but very confused about that. But that's how she knew to go down the three waterfalls, which apparently they navigated without a car because they were just rap- rappelling down the side of that wall yeah, with nothing. They got there very fast, considering yeah. their lack of a vehicle. Yes. Anyway... Uh, so they're inside Akator now, the, the locals are afraid of the skull, just let them go, and they're standing at this weird puzzle thing where it's like a pillar, and it has all these stone faces in it, and Oxley's like mumbling to himself the riddle, and he reveals that you have to pull these little stone heads out of the thing, and then the platform will start sinking down, and that's what they need to do. So they all start pulling these little stone heads out like crazy, the floor falls away, and then there's this like staircase in the side of the wall that's receding into the wall, and they have to run down it really quickly, and they make it to the bottom, and then they enter a big room full of treasure, where there's just so much treasure from every part of human history, and fucking Mac... Max there, by the way, because Indy still believes he's a good guy. Yes. He just cannot stop stealing. Like, he so cannot... So much stealing. He, like, he, he's physically incapable of stopping. Like, literally to the point that it is his death <laughs> later <laughs> in the movie. He, like, he cannot help himself. They're like, look at all these ancient treasures. And he's just, like, furiously pocketing as much <laughs> as he possibly can. Meanwhile, Jones opens a big door by holding the crystal skull up to it, and they're in the throne room, which has 12 fully intact, like, weird glowing alien skeletons around the outside, and one without a head. And they realize this is what the returning was about. This alien skull wanted them to return its head to its fucking the rest of its body. And now, like, Spalko is here, like, the Russians are already, like, immediately yep. inside ah, so- here. Well, because we find out that Mac is the one that's dropping the trackers. Uh, he waits for them to go ahead and he's secretly like, wahaha, and drops another one of those I red see. trackers. So that makes sense because, of course, Mac was lying in. He's actually a triple agent, or as he says, actually just a single agent, I guess. Like, if you start adding, you know, double negative, triple <laughs> yeah, negative, it's just exactly. a, yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, so Spalco shows up with her, like, flotilla of Russians who are just there at all times. Yeah. And they now have the upper hand, and it's just like Indy and Ox and Mutt and Marion are just there. 
Spalco takes the skull. Spalco says uh, that the aliens were a hive mind, more powerful together than they would be separated, which is like okay, but it's That's a nice a, message. Yeah. Um, yeah, Indy responds upon seeing Spalco with the skull that uh, uh, he says, I've got a bad feeling about this, which honestly, fuck yourself, George Lucas. Like, actually, that's just, like, so upsetting having Harrison Ford be like, hey, it's my other Lucasfilm like, classic line. Check yeah. it out right here. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Do you think maybe he just dropped it? Like, he just dropped it on set and they were just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, yeah, I guess so. He won't. He, re- he does it every take. He won't yeah. stop. And we can't <laughs> cut it. He so keeps they, making sure he's in other shots when he does it. So they... they uh, Spelker goes forward and, like, uh, gives the skull back to the aliens. Like, the, the whole, like... <laughs> The whole room starts like freaking out and that sort of thing. It's like it looks like it's a spaceship, but no, actually, apparently, it's a portal. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But a portal spins up in the sky, and all of a sudden, Oxley's not insane anymore. He's like, "That's an interdimensional portal. They're interdimensional beings." And Jones is like, "Welcome back, Ox." And then Spalco is like, I want the knowledge! I want it all! All of Spalco's goons are sucked up into this interdimensional portal whilst Jones and his friends escape. They get into the next room, and Mac, like, goes right back to stealing! <laughs> like, he's yeah, on his no. way out, trying to, like, pocket... He's trying to pocket a few extra things on his way out and ends up getting, like, pulled into the drawer of this thing. For some reason, Indy tries to save him. He's got that whip. Yeah, what's he doing there? He's like, Mac, come with me! And then Mac, all of a sudden, like, decides to be, like, noble death. And he's like, you'll be right, Indy. And let's go and lets himself be sucked into this interdimensional portal. Oh, I thought he said, I'll be right, Indy. Yeah, I guess, one way or the other, (laughs) he gets sucked into the interdimensional portal. Spelko is, like, talking to the alien. She's like, I want to know, I want to know everything. The 13 alien bodies coalesce into one alien body. Were there 13 aliens, or were there 13 alien skeletons? Like, it's wild that they all come together to make one alien, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think the implication I viewed it as was, like, that was just what she was seeing happen, like, uh, while she was in the weird, like, psychic space where she was being confronted with all of the knowledge. But, like, whatever yeah, happens, yeah. these 13 skeletons, like, rocket together, and then there's one, like, fully formed alien there, and it just, like looks at her mean and she literally like explodes like she bursts into flames which to me is like this movie ends in such a similar way to raiders like they get to the final treasure jones gets thwarted by the bad guys at the final treasure Mm. the bad guys get the final treasure jones definitely doesn't get it and the bad guys never would have got there if Jones hadn't led them directly to it very similar to raiders in that regard so like his being there just just did negative things in terms of, like, the the Russians finding their way to this major threat. But then it turns out it wasn't a threat because they couldn't control the power anyway because it blew them up. Which is, like, literally exactly what happens in Raiders of the Lost Ark. They open the Ark, the spirits come out, they kill the Nazis, they go back in the Ark, and it doesn't matter. And that's literally what happens here. Indy and the the rest of the the Yanks all escape. They watch the UFO. It turns out this temple, Akator, was actually a spaceship, which I kind of dig. It spins up, like, the whole fucking temple... What was the... Yeah, that... I did not understand. They said it was a portal, but then no, it's It was a spaceship. It was both. But... (laughs) I I guess, like, they have a portal that they used. I think they, like, deployed the portal, and then they, like... I I don't know. Well, the thing is, only Indy, I think, said it was a portal. No, it was Ox. Uh, Ox said it was a portal. So maybe he's just wrong. (laughs) I just thought he was maybe just wrong, and he didn't know the difference between a portal and a spaceship, because it was 1957. Yeah. Although, do we actually see the spaceship fly away, or does it just kind no, of disappear? No, it just disappears. Right, that probably implies it is a portal. Uh, and it was just, like, spinning up. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the, the like 
the, something that looks like a UFO spins up like out of the ground. The entire temple like of Akator crumbles down on top of it, and then it just vanishes. I guess like it was a portal. Yeah. And, and apparently, according to it, Ox, they go not into space, but into the space between spaces, which is again, yeah, just I love like, that. You know, the writers of the film being like, "We don't care about you. You've paid for the film. Like, <laughs> leave." <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter if this is cryptic, it's fine. Uh, They then reveal, Mutt's like, huh, I thought it was supposed to be a city of gold. And Indiana Jones barrels the camera and says, knowledge was their treasure. Which has been, to be fair, like, one of the recurring parts of the film. The idea that, like, get an education, it's important. Knowledge is power, ladies and gentlemen. Indian and Marianne are in love, so they start hugging. (sighs) And Junior's like, let's get out of here. They're like, no, man, we're just gonna sit on top of this thing for a little while. And he's like, no, let's go. (coughs) And and, uh, Indy goes, why don't you stick around, Junior? And he turns back and he's like, I don't know, why didn't you stick around, Dad? Such a burn. Sick burn from Junior. Fucking melts his dad, puts him in the dirt. Then cut to Indy getting promoted to Associate Dean. He's Associate Dean now. Uh, somehow, Professor Slughorn is back at the university. Like, He has just somehow been reinstated yeah. off screen because he's there. Well, I guess Indy's name got Man. cleared. And how, do, how do they Neil get Flynn... Jim Broadbent to do this movie? <laughs> he's a good actor. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he literally comes in yeah. and he's like, I quit for you, Indiana Jones. And he's like, oh, good. Make those letters bigger. Like, it's wild. Yeah. I, I think probably how they got him to do it was George Lucas called him up and said, we're doing another Indiana Jones movie. And yeah. <laughs> he was like, sick. <laughs> and then he ended up having this role yeah. which is a shame uh, so yeah he gets uh, married to Marion Ravenwood in the church uh, which is kind of a nice ending to that story I guess maybe and, yeah. and then Ox who we had established like okay. hated Indy for leaving is yep. suddenly in the audience at the wedding yep. just loving just eating it up he's just so happy about this marriage Yeah. despite the fact that he had to watch Little buff like, he, for his entire childhood yeah. and raised him. He's like, nah, it's cool now. You, it, you, he's you like, take my over. former friend who's an absolute shithead who definitely knocked up our mentor's daughter and then left her at the altar and then I devoted my time to taking care of his child. Nah, he's a cool guy. Like, he's alright. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He's, you know, I'm glad they're getting married. Anyway, so, alright. This to me was the most perplexing thing, yes. but now in light of the fact. It makes that, so much sense. It makes so much right? sense now. Okay. Like, it makes complete oh. sense. Be- because, like, the church door opens, Indy's trademark fedora blows into the church and lands at the feet of Mutt. He picks it up as the music starts going, like, dun 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 The classic Indy sting, the classic score, remakeable, remakeable, and he goes to put the hat on his head, passing the literal mantle of Indiana Jones to Indiana Jones Jr. Jr., the new Indiana Jones for the new rebooted franchise of films. Harrison Ford sweeps through, plucks the hat, literally <laughs> takes it out of Shia LaBeouf's hands, puts it back on his own head. teasing Shia with the franchise. Like, yeah, oh, no, you will not have like, this. Yeah, like, do you think that decision was made, like, during the filming of the movie? But, like, uh, it was clear they were not gelling. Like, it was clear that they weren't yeah. going to have, like, LaBeouf come back and do more of them. And so they were like, we have to rewrite the scene where he puts on the hat <laughs> because Harrison Ford ain't done yet. Like, that has to be why that happened, right? I don't think so, because all this stuff didn't come out until after the, the critical
critical reception bleh, reception for the movie was so poor that Shia started shitting on Spielberg. But like maybe it was obvious on set, like to Spielberg. Who knows? Maybe maybe they filmed alternatives. Like yeah. there's alternative one where he does get it, and alternative two where they're like I don't see this happening. <laughs> because yeah. like if the plan at the time of shooting the scene, if the plan was still to have the franchise taken over by Shia LaBeouf, that decision makes no sense. No, it like that not. would have been a cute if heavy-handed ending to the movie had to have him put on the hat. Yeah. And then, like, it would have been like, okay, that's a nice signaling to the audience that, like, the mantle has been literally passed. The fact that they did the thing where it looks like that's gonna happen (laughs) and then Harrison Ford comes in and literally is like, no, 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 I am still Indiana Jones is insane if that was the plan at the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Still Interested, a TV and film reboot remake podcast for the Curio Network. Uh, <coughs> uh, we hope you've enjoyed yourself. If you have and you want to know more about it, hear more about it, you can check us out on Twito at SI Curio Show. We know it's not a good handle, but nothing else would do. So <laughs> get on there. You, or, or just Curio Network. Curio Network in general, wherever you would ordinarily listen to podcasts or look for social media things. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're everywhere. If you want me specifically, uh, I usually tweet about science, I guess. Uh, You can get me at Mr. BT McAllister. And if you wanted T-Baby over here, where might they go looking, T-Baby? Right at Science Taren. Fantastic. Science Taren. Oh, that's such a good one. That's pretty good. Yeah, mine's just yeah, uh, at Jackson underscore Usid. Uh, at this point in the year, you'll find me probably tweeting about I don't know, uh, probably Fremantle or maybe Tottenham Hotspur, like one of one of them. At this point, it's mostly like sports and like the occasional like Dungeons and Dragons based c- comedy tweet. That's that, that's sort of like the brands that I'm straddling uh, in uh, mid February. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do a lot of Ray Romano stuff also. So if <laughs> yeah, you liked that earlier, then yeah, definitely go check me out. Jackson, Taryn, Jackson and Taryn, Jackson and Tareen. I would like to know who your MVPs are in this movie. I'll give you mine, you give me yours, and then we'll confer. I had the fucking fake Colonel Turncoat for going 1v1 against Indy with the chain whip and kind of doing a good job. I also had Mutt Williams, and I had the snake. <laughs> that, is, that is it for me. I had the snake who let its body be used as a rope to save Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood. I had Mutt Williams for routinely just doing all of the actual heavy lifting in terms of saving the party when they were fighting the Russians. Who have um, you guys got? I definitely had the shotgun shell Russian, um, which I thought was you know, a yep. big old vibe. I actually, I really like the snake, to be honest, because I think like snakes are... <laughs> They're, na- they're natural enemies, and I think uh, I think the the spirit of like reconciliation there, overcoming those long uh, and like uh, violent ties. I think that's kind of beautiful. All right, what do you think, Taryn? Who do you have as MVP? Uh, one MVP of mine was definitely the Prairie Dogs for just repeatedly coming back for like no discernible reason, just to remind us that we were in the desert. Oh, yeah. I thought they did a really good job of setting the scene. Okay. Another <laughs> one. I'm gonna have to go with two animals here: the snake. Like, yeah. As someone who <sighs> is not fully immersed in the Indiana Jones, like, sphere. That was a wonderful thing that I was like, I know this, I know this is a callback. And I, I'm glad that I remember this, because I feel like there was probably a lot of other ones that went just 
flying over my head. Did you also see it and it reminded you of a sea snake and you got a little bit excited that maybe there was marine biology rather than purely land biology? Well, if that was the case, then it would have been highly, highly venomous and he would have had to be really concerned about the fact. Now, they do say that it's a rat, a rat snake or a rat python, which it's not. I did look this up. Oh, of course. Biologist. Yeah. But despite that fact... I think he would have been okay because mm-hmm. if it was indeed Wait, a rat snake, are you saying it was fine. actually a rope fashioned to look like a snake, and that Indy was right the whole time? <laughs> no, I think someone like went to the effort to like figure out what, what species it was, yeah. and they were like, "That's not a rat snake" or something. They looked, they like confirmed that there was right. no way that that's what it was, but right. you know. Yeah. Nobody's no. There are no biologists really getting into it. <laughs> hey, there's no biologists on this podcast. <laughs> so, all right, are we agreed on the snake then? Snake, Is it the snake? I, I think so. All right, I also did double down on Indiana Jones I at mean, one I point. Think it's just hard because... not to, right? It's hard not to double down. On <laughs> I mean, for me, it's the 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 just on a hair. Believing Mac is a double agent, being like, no, you're cool now. I know that you've literally just put me in chains, and it's been real bad, but, like, no, I'm with you now. 100%. Okay, so are we doubling down on our our franchise-wide Indiana Jones LVP? Okay, all right. Yeah, you're right. It is hard not to. With that out of the way, um, before we dip into trivia, I'd actually like to run past you three choice reviews uh, submitted to Google uh, from the people themselves about Indiana Jones. Okay, give me those people's reviews. Um, now, this is actually, I think these fly in the face of a lot of the criticism, um, that has been delivered to this film. Um, so the first one is from King Dedrek, who says, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of a movie that we say after we watched, hey, this is the most awesome movie of all time. This is that kind of movie. I loved this movie. So a lot of them- A lot of uh, <laughs> positive feedback there. Very uh, positive, positive feedback. This is the kind of movie where you say, hey, I love this movie. That's great. I, now, look, I'm right there with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, with a, another review saying, uh, each time I watch Indiana Jones movie, I think, can he get any better? And yes, he can. Fantastic <laughs> acting. <laughs> It is, it is worth noting that no one has marked these as helpful reviews as of yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Somehow does not surprise hey, look, me. Hey, that, that gives me high hopes for Indy 5. I yeah, mean, it yeah, can yeah. get better. Every time, it keeps getting better. Um, and then the final review from uh, a one Charlie from three weeks ago. So this guy is really, <laughs> really honoured. Um, this movie inherits my beliefs on ancient aliens, therefore makes this the best movie ever made. Which I think with scientific <laughs> like that, it's just... <laughs> That's the only. That's the only fucking cra- category that you rank the movie in to decide it's the best movie ever made. Is that it mirrors his own beliefs no, on sorry, ancient ben, aliens? It, it inherits his beliefs. So it inherits his beliefs. <laughs> this is that review was written by George Lucas and or Steven Spielberg. They sat down and they said, "This is the greatest movie ever made because it inherited my beliefs about ancient aliens." <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a little taste from uh, from the public. Now, how about some trivia to take us home, Jaybird and T-Baby? Yes, please. Also, how do you feel about Jaybird? I kind of like it I'm, a lot. I'm pretty into it, yeah. It's pretty hot, I reckon. Dude, get this. this. If this isn't the biggest fucking grumpy old man Harrison Ford fighting back against the millennials, I don't know what is. Harrison Ford was adamant that he got to wield Indiana's famous whip 
Paramount executives wanted the weapon to be computer generated <laughs> because of new film safety rules. Uh. But the actor branded the rule ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Harrison Ford convinced David Coep to include more jokes about Indy's age in the script. <laughs> believing, oh, he wanted that. Believing that would help reduce the American paranoia about aging. He also refused to dye his hair for the role, arguing Indy's appeal wasn't in his youth, but in his imagination and resourcefulness. My ambition in action is to have the audience look straight in my face and not the back of a stuntman's head. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Huge. I love that. Harrison Ford has kept himself in such good shape over the years that his costume measurements did not change between the last crusade and this movie. Yes, Harrison. That is not true. That is categorically untrue. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. He's chunkier. He's a bit chunkier than he was. Maybe it was looser fitting in the the original. Yeah, maybe. I do know some trivia, actually. It was Ooh. that when um, Shia LaBeouf came out and was, like, really just trashing on Spielberg, Harrison Ford came out and literally called him a fucking idiot <laughs> for having said that. <laughs> yeah, probably because he was like, they were going to hand him the franchise. <laughs> yeah. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah, like, he, just, he just saved my job. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's funny. Sean Connery was approached for a cameo appearance as Henry Jones Sr., Indiana's father, but he turned it down, finding retirement too enjoyable. George Lucas later stated that, in retrospect, it was good that Jones Sr. did not appear, as it would disappoint the audience when he would not come along for the adventure. (laughs) (laughs) And so also, I love love the fact that he turned down the movie so they made his character die. Oh, you don't want to be in my movie, hey, Sean? And then they added a scene where Indy's like, oh, it's such a shame my dad died <laughs> while looking at a photo of Sean Connery. Oh, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf, this is very interesting in light of the comments that came out after. Shia LaBeouf signed on for the film in April 2007. He was so excited about doing an Indiana Jones film that he didn't even read the script. <laughs> <laughs> he just agreed to be in it. <laughs> so I lose sympathy for him there because, like, that's on him. Yeah, he it was really just is. like, oh, I'll be in that movie. And then he was like, it sucks afterwards. Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>